Dear God, we come to you now. Just speak to us, dear Lord. Speak the message that you have planned for us and allow us to hear it in the proper way. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to talk about, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And um, it, I, I just, just works out just biblically the way that things work out. And it's amazing because we talked about it in Sunday school this morning. Um, all the things that this world throws at you, you know, the fear of this, the fear of that. And, uh, you know, fear is a symptom of lack of faith. And when we are able to act in great faith, then that gives God the opportunity to show up and to do some great things in our lives. And um, this, is a, this is an amazing story about, um, about a mother, and it also kind of shines some light on a, on a sister here, okay? This is the story of Moses, um, his birth. It's in, I'm out of Exodus, the second chapter, first, couple, first 10 verses here, all right? And um, just, to, just to reflect, if you go all the way to Exodus 6, um, it actually names his parents, Amron and Jochebed. That's the parents of Moses. And then we know that he's got a brother named Aaron. I don't know if you know this or not, but he's the older brother. So, um, and then he's got a sister, they have a sister named Miriam. All right. And um, we are dealing in a very um, shrewd, and the Bible. My, my translation, I do the new, I preach out of the new King James Version, and it uses this word shrewd, and I think that that might be, um, I don't know, man, if shrewd sums up the world that we live in. It's, it's a nasty place, and um, shrewd is a, you know, that's a pretty good word because it, it brings in all the cunning and all the, the, um, the conniving, the deceit, the evilness. And it just kind of puts it all into one kind of nasty word and, and shrewdly. So we have Pharaoh, and um, I want you to, to look at what happens here. And he is saying to his people, look here, we see the Israelites. They are becoming mighty because there's a whole bunch of them. And they are growing in numbers. And um, as someone who is running a kingdom and has an army and all that stuff, he kind of looks at this and he looks at it in a political and in a military way. And he says, uh, we need to kind of be um, aware of this situation because what they could do is, uh, there's so many of them that they could team up with one or more of our enemies and then attack us. So uh, we need to deal with them um, shrewdly. Okay, and we need to, to handle this in, in, a, in a situation, and um, here was his plan. So every son, you kill it, you throw it into the river. If it's a girl, let him stay alive, okay? And, and I just want to say this morning that um, anytime that we devalue any kind of life, that's wrong, okay? From before born all the way to death. Life is precious. Life is created by God, okay? And anytime you devalue any of that, it's wrong. And that's what's happening here. And I'll tell you that there are a thousand reasons, if not more than that, why we devalue life. But um, 
The oldest one might be militarily. Um, and you think about what's going on in this world today, the, the innocent lives that are being lost just because men of power are making decisions. I mean, it just breaks your heart. And that is what's happening here, is he's looking at it from a strictly military, political view, and he says, we gotta take care of this, all right? So, that's the law of the land, is if you're an Israelite and you had a son, and the Egyptians found out about it, they're gonna get rid of it, all right? So, in the second chapter, starts out, and we have Moses' parents here. They're out of the house of Levi. Um, he obviously married um, someone out of his own family, so they had a son, and um, they saw that it was a beautiful child. Okay, And dealing with the circumstances that are um, happening at that point, she went and hid him for three months, keeping him away from out of the eyes of the Egyptians. All right? So an underlying premise here is that... Um, this is a family that um, obviously uh, worships the one true God. So Moses has a jump start on life. And, and I want to tell you that if we are going to give kids opportunities, the greatest opportunity that we can give any kid is to point them towards Jesus Christ as their Savior. All right? And uh, next week we're going to celebrate the academics of, of the kids that are graduating in our church. We've got some very smart kids here. We've got some great kids that do some great things, okay? But we as a church and we as parents and we as a community are responsible for their spiritual lives. And we need to point them towards Jesus Christ. That should be our mission, is to make sure that every child in our communities has heard the true gospel that Jesus Christ is the risen Savior. And that would give them a jump start on life. And this is something that is happening here, is that Moses is born into a family, and they look at him, and the, the phraseology there is that he is a beautiful child because he is a child that has the opportunity to serve the Lord. That is what is being happened here. And out of love, she hides him for three months. Okay, in fact... In the Hall of Fame, the, the Faith Hall of Fame chapter, Hebrews 11, um, his parents, it says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. So they, by faith, went out and hid their kid, not out of fear, but because they knew that he was dedicated. He had the opportunities of service towards the Lord, and they were, knew they were responsible that that child enter into service for the Lord. That's something that we as parents, we as grandparents, and as a community, we need to keep that in the forefront of everything that we do with our kids, is that these kids have the opportunity and they have the mandate and the commission to go out and serve the Lord. And it is our job to instill that in them, that everything they do, you know, I... My grandfather was a, was a janitor, and uh, he actually swept the streets of El Dorado. And I, there's a famous speech by, by Martin Luther King Jr., and he says, if you're going, I love it, he says, if you're going to be a street sweeper, be the best 
street sweeper in the whole world. And I think about that with my grandfather who had pride in what he did. And it doesn't matter what your occupation, what your vocation is. You can be a street sweeper or a doctor, a brain surgeon, but we have to have inside of us a mission that we are serving our vocation and our occupations and our, our um, lot in life, whether it be a parent, grandparent, neighbor, whatever, it has to be driven with service towards Jesus Christ. All right? That's a different kind of living than what's going on out there. And we don't live to ourselves. In fact, the Bible says if you're going to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ, the first thing you have to do, die. You have to come to me and die and then pick up the cross that I lay before you. And we've gotten too proud and we've gotten too self-centered and we actually have gotten probably too comfortable in our lives. And um, we just sometimes miss out on the opportunities that are in front of us to actually do the things that we're called to do with service in Jesus Christ as the primary impact of the things that we do. All right? It says there back in Exodus that when she could no longer hide him, okay, so he's starting to grow, and uh, she took an ark of bulrushes for him. So she took some, some reeds and some stuff out of the, you know, out of the, the shoreline, dabbed it with asphalt and pitch, so she actually made a, like a little boat. This sounds crazy, all right? They'd call DCFS on you nowadays if you did this. But she put the child in this boat, and she went out and laid it in the reeds by the riverbank. Okay? She did this to hide it. And then she assigned his sister, Miriam, to go and stand off and be, you know, the watch guard for her brother. And that way they would know if anything happened, she would be there. So this sounds crazy, but... She is acting in extreme faith to God, knowing that her son has been called to ministry, has been called to service, and she knows that he will take care of her, it's our, of her son. It's her opportunity to act in faith. Okay? So this is what she's, she does. And by chance, the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe in the river, there's been a lot of arguments, a lot of stuff written about that she knew that that's where Pharaoh's daughter came down. There's nothing at that point. The Bible doesn't tell us that, okay? But Pharaoh's daughter came, comes down to bathe in the river, and her maidens walk along the riverside, and they see this ark that Moses' mother has made and placed this baby in there. And uh, she saw the baby amongst on the, the reeds and the weeds and all that going on on the side of the bank. It says that she sent her maid down there and opened it up. And when they opened it up, they saw that it was a child in there. And uh, the boy started crying. Moses starts crying. And for obvious reasons, she says this is one of the Hebrew children. So she knows it's a Hebrew child. So then his sister said, to, uh, so Miriam, who is on point, who is on guard, who has been assigned to watch out for her brother, when she sees this happen, she walks down and she speaks to Pharaoh's daughter. And she says, shall I go call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that, they may that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter says to her, go. So the maiden went down 
And here is the amazing thing. So who does she pick to come take care of the baby? Her mother. Isn't that amazing? She set that baby out, released him, left him there, put the sister on guard, and then Pharaoh's daughter takes possession of this boy. And then who does she give it to nurse? Right back to the mother who set it there. And who are they hiding it from? The Egyptians. And the Egyptians find her, find this boy, and then offer to have the mother come in and take care of it. And it says, Pharaoh's daughter said, take this child away. And so the mother comes and she says, take this child away. All right, so there it is, protection, assignment, nurse him for me, be his mother, which she already was, and I will pay you to be his mother. Isn't that great? And here's the thing, sometimes, and we talked about this in Sunday school this morning, I don't, how many of you are control freaks? Don't raise your hand if you, some of you raise your hand because you have to control, like, you can't tell me not to raise my hand, so there it is. All right. Sometimes when things are, when we lose control, that's when the fear kicks in. That's when we do the things that um, get us in trouble. And then, um, and we talked about, the Bible has this phrase called double-minded, and that's when you act in a, in a way, you know, that you're supposed to, to pray in faith, but down deep, you're not praying in faith because you're still going to try to take control. And that sums us up pretty good, doesn't it? Huh? When we get in trouble, we just want to take control, fix it, do it our way. Because for one, we're, we might be embarrassed or we don't want anyone to actually know. That, anybody ever dug in to start asking you why you did something and you don't want to really tell them because you don't want them to know how low in stupidity you actually got? It's like, I don't really want to tell you because it's really going to, you know, expose how stupid I have been. So you just kind of try to take care of it so that you won't have to get into those conversations. You won't have to be exposed and all that. But what, what happens is we get into these situations to where we can't release control. And it's amazing where we end up sometimes because we have not released control to Jesus Christ. And we think we know where we want to go. But if you actually have ever had a situation where you allowed Jesus Christ to take control, he takes you to a place where you never thought to be. And it's better than any place you had planned for yourself. And it's amazing how that works out. And this is what's happening. This is the prime example here where she's led by faith to do something that doesn't make sense. And yet... She's hiding it from the Egyptians, but she places it in the, in, right into the pathway of the Egyptians. And sometimes when that happens, you know, that's where we fall apart and say, oh, I was trying to hide it from the Egyptians, but they were right there to get it. And then it turns out that God had it worked out the whole time. And I had it explained to me that sometimes we're busy doing the puzzle pieces and we get lost because we're too close to the puzzle. And if you step back and get a higher view, you can complete the puzzle. And that's where God is. He gets a 
view from heaven where we're mixed up in the weeds and we lose the pieces sometimes. And he sees the whole piece from the whole puzzle put together from the beginning. So the woman took the child and raised it. And the child grew and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. So she called him Moses because that means because I drew him out of the water. So she raised the child until he was of age to start to learn. And then he went and he got one of the best educations that could be given to you at that point. He was raised as royalty. He received all the rights of royalty. I mean, man, how it worked out, how God brought him through. And it was because of the faith and the actions of his mother. And when we look at some of the things like, you know, she was driven by love, yes, but she was driven by a faithful love. And sometimes when we think about doing things in love, that ends up being sometimes selfish to what we want. And we sometimes raise our kids and we make decisions and, and do things because that's what we want. But when you're driven by the Holy Spirit and you're in God's will, then sometimes you do things in a faithful way, but it's in, or it's in a loving, faithful way. And we still love our kids, but then we do it in faith to Jesus Christ, all right? So I got some takeaways here. All right, number one, I don't know if you know it or not, but the world is a shrewd place. And it's not going to get any better. I don't know if you've read Revelation or not, but it's not going to get any better, okay? It's a shrewd place. So we have to be prepared. We have to understand, we have to be in God's will, we have to be led by the Holy Spirit. This is my point in the, in the sermon when I tell you that your job as a Christian each and every day is before your feet hit the floor to pray the prayer of emptying, empty me of me, and then fill me with your Holy Spirit so I may be driven by the Holy Spirit. Act according to how the Holy Spirit is driving me to act and do the things according to how the Holy Spirit wants me to do it, Okay. And then also, we got to do things. We got to set out in faith. Sometimes we, we, we do things. It didn't make sense to put a child in a boat and set him on the riverbank. But that's what she was driven to do, and she did it, and she did it in faith. And sometimes things won't make sense. And here, here's the other thing is sometimes we're asked to do things that we're not good at. And it's because we have to rely on Jesus Christ when we do those things. So we, let's just get it straight. We have to start acting in faith. Imagine being, being confronted with the Red Sea being parted and everything you own and all your family members, you're leading them in between those giant two walls of water. And at any second, that could just fall and just erase you from the earth. And think about being able to step out and lead your family through there. That's the kind of faith that we're talking about. And if you don't have great faith, James tells us, pray for it, and he will give it to you. He'll give you wisdom. He'll give you faith and courage, and he'll give it to you liberally in the amount that you need. Okay? Also, God already has our victory and our deliverance already planned. Here's the thing that I sometimes want to hit myself in the head over 
is how many times did God have my victory, have my deliverance planned, ready for me to experience it, but I was too much in control, too hard-headed, too selfish and stubborn that I took it another way, and I missed out on the glory of God's deliverance. Isn't that a horrible thing to think about? And yet, each and every one of us have probably done it a thousand times. God has our deliverance already planned. If you read in the Bible, when great, any type of trial, great or small, happens to people, he already has their deliverance planned. In fact, as soon as man sins, Genesis 3.15 is the promise of the Savior. It's already there. He's already got the deliverance planned. And here's the other thing. When, when Moses goes into the ark, he takes animals that are designed and designated for the altar when they come out in victory over the flood. It's there, ready to go. And then here's the other thing. We have to trust and enter God's ark. I don't know if you noticed it or not, but when it talked about that little boat that she made for the baby, it used the word ark. It's the same word used in the story about Noah. Same word. And here's the understanding, is that God's going to ask us to get in the ark. It's protection, but it takes faith to get in the ark. It takes understanding. We have to understand what God has planned for us to get into the ark. But yet, through those trials and tribulations, God will bring us through, and he will protect us, and he will allow us to step out of the ark in victory and in deliverance. We have to be able to step into the ark and let God take care of us, all right? And then we have to be born again through water and through spirit, okay? We get baptized because that's what Jesus has called us to do. And it's also in response to the example set forth by Jesus Christ himself. And here is the understanding of that, okay? Obedience. We are called to obey. We are called to be in obedience. And that is tough sometimes. When we're called to do things we don't want to do, guess what? We're still called to be in obedience to Jesus Christ. And too many times our will rubs up wrong against God's will and we take over and we miss out on opportunities to experience victories and celebrations because we just are too stubborn and we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to drive us and be led by God's will. So obedience is what we're called to do. Obey and understand the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing. For you to do that, you have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You have to be able to hear and understand and, and understand what he's saying to us. You have to nurture that relationship. Ask yourself this morning, where is your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Is it being nurtured or is it being ignored? And then here's the final point. God brings his promise of life into reality. In the midst of the death sentence, life was born. Life was brought forth. And it was life because of faith and because of obedience. And it was a life-changing life. This is a 
This is really a, a, an, just an amazing story to me, how the odds are stacked against them, and yet she does things that at first seem crazy, and then the actions, she actually puts her child into the arms of the Egyptians, and in the end, she gets the opportunity to raise her child under the protection of Pharaoh's daughter and get paid for it. And that's because she was willing to do the things that the Holy Spirit asked her to do. Ask yourself this morning, has there been times when you missed out on the victories and on the deliverance because you couldn't get past your own pride and will? He has it planned for us. And then here's the other thing. There is no love like the love of a mother. What a special relationship. I said earlier, Jesus Christ had a special relationship with his mother. As he's dying, he's making sure that she's going to be taken care of. Thank you for tuning in to Star Church's sermon. We truly hope that the sermon edified you today and brought you closer to the Lord. For more information about Star Church, visit our website at stargbchurch.com. Once again, that's stargbchurch.com. If you would like to visit our church, our address is 4925 State Road 142 North, El Dorado, Illinois 62930. We now pray that God will bless you as you enter the mission field and bring his word to the world. And as always, we will see you next time here at Star Church. Thank you.